0: Nick Carboni from WCNC joins for another What Did We Learn Friday, plus a preview of tonight's game against the Minnesota Timberwolves. That's all ahead on the Locked On Hornets podcast.
1: You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, we we live. We live.
0: This is Locked On Hornets. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thanks so much for making Locked On Hornets your first listen every day. We are free and daily wherever you get podcasts including YouTube. I'm Doug Branson, founder of the pod, writer, podcaster and YouTuber at everyhornetsboxscore.com. You can get more of my work at everyhornetsboxscore.com and support my work there. By subscribing i'm usually the the co-host my host walker mail has the day off i am joined today by our good friend from wcnc nick Carboni. he joins us every friday you can follow him on twitter at nick Carboni. wcnc nick it's black friday we really appreciate you joining and and for going shopping uh to be with us here and uh, do some hornets taking
1: yeah bad takes 15 off all day Doug, for black friday bad jokes too <laughs>
0: Yeah, I love it. All right. Uh, well, we're going to look back. It's a back Friday. As we look back on this week, as we do every Friday, talking about what did we learn this week? Nick, uh, we got a win from the Charlotte Hornets. We also got some exciting basketball at different portions. What did you take away from this week of Charlotte Hornets basketball?
1: Yeah, first of all, it's great to see a win the night before Thanksgiving. I thought the crowd was good. People back, back uh, in town, back home, maybe some Sixers fans too, but they left disappointed. I think I learned that Teo Maladon and Kai Jones can give you a little something off the bench, right? I thought the, the game kind of surged when those two guys came in and injected their energy, energy, and certainly Kelly Oubre Jr., uh, Terry Rozier had a lot to do with closing out that game, but I really liked what I saw from those two guys. I mean, Kai Jones, the last three games, has been right around that seven or eight minutes played line, and Steve Clifford told me after the game that that Kai is kind of learning what Nick Richards already has, and that's this is what I can do. This is what I have to go in and do and nothing else. Although it was a bit jarring to see him pull up like immediately for a jumper from the elbow and swish it with confidence. That was a thing of beauty. I don't know if they want him to, to, to be doing, you know, a lot of shooting, volume shooting. But uh, and, and Tao was the most impressive to me. I mean, I've really been intrigued by this kid. All season long, but I thought this was probably his best performance and most important one so far. Dennis Smith Jr. goes out with, um, you guessed it, another ankle sprain. And Tao has to step in, play, yeah, right, play big minutes. And I thought he did well. I mean, he had some really good sequences. He had a couple of, you know, in, in a row where it didn't go his way on both ends. Lost the guy defensively for an open three, turned the ball over. But he recovered. And helped kind of steady the ship, so to speak, so that the veterans could really come in and close it out. So I thought Teo and Kai, uh, you know, intriguing names, first of all, they have some of the best names on the roster and and their game the other night was just really solid and really important.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, the two the back-to-back steals, uh, getting them into transition. That's it's such a huge part of the Charlotte Hornets' ability to score because they haven't been able to do yeah. that very well in the half court. And so, getting into transition, huge. So, you know, any contributions Teo can make, and it's been interesting to watch Teo because it seems like whenever DSJ does leave the game, Teo transforms into a DSJ-like defender, ball pressure, getting steals, getting the team out into transition. Uh, and so that's been really nice to see, and it's always great to see Nick, a player like Teo, who understands that like sometimes you you may sit a game, and that you, that's where his place is yeah. on the roster right now. Sometimes you got to sit a game, and then, but you have to be ready. And then when he gets back into the game. He brings that punch of energy. Same thing goes for Kai, right? I mean, Kai, yeah. you didn't know if he was going to get any kind of rotation minutes this season. All of a sudden, he's getting a little bit, a little taste of it. Eight minutes a game, yeah. but it comes at critical portions of the game, and and he's able to get off the bench and immediately give them that punch of energy. It's it's such a key thing, especially as you're trying to you know, look at the long term and make, make yourself a bigger part of the rotation. It's all got to start with how you come off the bench in those moments.
1: Yeah, and I think Teo, you, you mentioned defensively where he was big. Offensively, like he's a six-four guard. He's rangy. He's quick. Like he, when he can play with the pace that they need to on offense, that just enhances the value of the minutes he gives you. Um, and he talked about that a couple of weeks ago, um, or actually last week or whatever it was. Lamelo went down for the second time. Was like, yeah, I've got to start playing with a little pace here because when he does that. I mean, he's not lamello by any stretch, but with his size and his skill set, um, he, he can kind of do what they want to do on offense if, if he's going at the right speed.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the things that I learned this week, and I'm going to talk more about this in our second segment when you and I discuss a little leftovers, but, it, but it's, it's Terry Rozier is back to being scary Terry but it's a little bit of a different scary Terry than we were used to last season. And I'm going to dive into exactly why I think that's happening in the second segment, but he's more, he is scary Terry, but it's happening at inside the three point line, as opposed to outside the three point line, he's, and I've been yeah. calling Tsunami Poppy Kelly Ubre I've been calling him Tsunami Father because he's been taking more of a responsible role on the offensive end of the floor so I feel like scary Terry has turned into scarold Ter- Terry like he is he's not you know he's not Harry Terry he's he's scarold scarold Terry um, Is this like so, a
1: Harold reference?
0: Or? Yeah, Harold. Yeah, I mean it's okay. it's more like of it. just a yeah. yeah. It's more just like a TV dad kind of situation. Scary Terry, <laughs> and you know he's doing it, and we saw it in the Philly game, and, and it was alongside those Teo Maladon seals was was Terry Rozier getting inside the three point line, pulling up, knocking down shots from his spots at the free throw line, getting all the way inside, making layups. Which is something that Terry Rozier struggled with uh, previously after coming back from that injury. But Scary Terry is back in some form. They they probably, in order to win more games and win a game like they have tonight against Minnesota, they they probably need him to get back to being the full Scary Terry yeah. uh, from three point line from the three point line. But um, it's been pretty amazing to watch him persevere through all of this adversity.
1: Yeah, I mean, especially because he is kind of the heart and soul of this team and and the guy who, you know, they all want to win, but Terry wants to, to win the most yeah. on a lot of nights. And he he really puts it on himself and he did against the Sixers. And you're exactly right. I mean, it was a lot of drives to the basket, a lot of getting fouled, uh, you know, a lot of taking on like four on one situations in the paint and finishing. Um, yeah. You're not going to be able to do that every night. That was kind of a, a, a good night for him to be able to score that way but uh, you know as much as everybody's talked about trading Terry Rogier since the moment LaMelo Ball was drafted the guy's just gone out there night in and night out and you know put effort out on both ends of the floor uh, maybe the scoring output isn't always there uh, but he's a guy you certainly lean on especially when your roster looks like it does right now, and Lamelo LaBello Ball not being there, Gordon Hayward really not being available in the fourth quarter, Terry is really putting it on himself, maybe more than more than most situations.
0: It's crazy. I mean, the Hornets have the same amount of wins as the Detroit Pistons or or the Al- and the Orlando Magic, but it's mm-hmm. the hardest working five wins in the NBA. Yeah. right? I mean, now, you know, all the losses have...
1: are so exhausting to watch.
0: Yeah, exactly, and they're close losses. Uh, they they've really been losing at the margins, and that's why you've seen Terry say, you know, it's about making the toughness plays. It's why you have Clifford challenging them to be tougher because right now, I think they're. Their defense is good enough to win games. Their offense isn't. They're running kind of a 90s offense at this point because the three-point shooting is so bad. You saw, I think they 23 three-point attempts against Philadelphia. You know, this this was a team last season that would regularly get into the 35-40 range on three-point attempts. So you know, it's, I think there are a variety of reasons for that. Uh, obviously, LaMelo Ball being primary, uh, being out, being pr- one of the primary reasons for that. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I think they've got to find some way to get that offense clicking again, uh, even with all of these injuries okay so uh this has been a good conversation that's what did we learn this week we're going to continue the conversation and talk about a little bit of thanksgiving leftovers and and some leftovers that we would like to see the hornets carry over from last season because despite borrego getting fired this team won 43 games and and was in the play-in and certainly uh they looked a lot better offensively than they do right now so that's coming up in the next segment but first want to talk to you about our friends at expressvpn this episode is brought to you by expressvpn we all know how expressvpn protects your privacy and security online right but here's something you might not know. You can also use ExpressVPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. Maybe you've run out of stuff to watch on Netflix. Is that possible? I don't know. But maybe you have. This is going to change your world. ExpressVPN allows you to binge The Office on UK Netflix. So, you know, that other version of The Office, uh, if you're if you're tired of the American version. It's so simple to do. Just sign into Netflix, fire up the ExpressVPN app, change the location of the UK, refl- refresh your Netflix, and. And that's it. ExpressVPN lets you control where you want sites to think you're located. You can choose from almost 100 different countries. So just imagine all of the different Netflix libraries you can now uh, get into. Maybe Korean dramas are your thing, South Korean Netflix. You can do that as well. It's not just Netflix, all kinds of stuff. Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it, you can use ExpressVPN with it. ExpressVPN also works on all your devices, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. So you can watch what you want on the big screen or on the go. So if you want to get access to hundreds of new shows, go to expressvpn.com slash locked on right now, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash locked on expressvpn.com slash locked on to learn more. Hang with us more Locked On Hornets ahead. Thanks so much for making Locked On Hornets your first listen every day. Make sure you listen uh, next to Locked On Sports today from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only Locked On can provide. Back here with Nick Carboni from WCNC. Nick, were you able to score some sweet, sweet leftovers from your Thanksgiving table?
1: Yeah, we got a fridge full of them. Uh, I resisted third helping after midnight last night because i okay. knew i wanted to save things uh for black friday uh yeah lots of stuffing i don't know why like that to me like it, it whether it goes like you know even as part of a sandwich like as just like dump some of it on the side again right uh, that's gonna be mixed in there the mac and cheese is gonna be mixed in there there's like a, a, you know i hang out with a lot of midwesterners so there is just like four or five nondescript casseroles They all have a lot of cheese in them. They're all really good. Don't know what they're called. Give me more of those.
0: I'm going to give you a couple of tips on the leftovers, uh, especially for the casseroles. Little When you warm it up, little ice yeah. cube on the casserole, cover it with a paper towel. The, ice cu- the microwave melts the ice cube, but it evenly distributes the moisture that is okay. going to be necessary to rejuvenate. Speaking of rejuvenation and the leftovers, this is a mistake, and, and a little too late for this advice because people have already accumulated their leftovers. But especially when people are taking leftovers from, you know, they didn't host things. Thanksgiving, so they're taking them from the host and taking them back to their location they forget to get a little side of gravy and the gravy is yeah, the you rejuvenator gotta you got to yeah. throw the gravy on there to rejuvenate and bring back the moisture uh but but i like your leftover choices i always go for a little sweet potato casserole because i like to do a little breakfast sweet potato casserole mm-hmm. that's my that's my key but all the casseroles make for the good like sandwich makers. You know, you can throw it on a little yeah. turkey, you can throw the mashed potatoes on a little turkey and, and helps with some of that sandwich. Glue so, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, it glues to your stomach for sure. There's no doubt about that. It glues to my thighs. Uh, all right, let's talk about some Hornets leftovers. I was thinking about this. We haven't had many leftovers from the last season. A lot of people's roles are changing. Clifford alluded to that in, uh, in his last post game press conference uh, after this win against Philadelphia, that certain guys, maybe struggling partly because some of those roles have changed. A lot of that having to do with injury. They've had multiple injuries at the point guard position. One of the critical roles, especially offensively, it it helps distribute, get other guys where they're supposed to be on the offensive end. And so guys have had to change their roles. And we've seen, you know, Kelly Oubre, Terry Rozier, their, their offense shift somewhat, but it's not the only thing uh, that we haven't seen left over from last season. So Nick, what's like the one thing that you look at him and go, man, if they had the same X that they did last season when they won 43 games, they'd be in a lot better position than they are right now.
1: I would say leftover that I would love to see is microwave Kelly Oubre, like a guy who can hit volume shots from three-point land. And you mentioned it, like his role has had to shift. I do like some of what I've seen from him Inside the three-point line this year, getting to the basket, getting offensive rebounds, putting back jams. I mean, he's kind of just taken whatever he's his role has had to be on any given night and run with it. But, you know, there hasn't been that, like, not that you can ask for this every night, like 10 of 15 from three night. I mean, right. he's. I think he yeah. had seven in one game. And since then, he really hasn't shot well at all from outside the arc. And most of his uh, shooting has has come from inside and sometimes it's not always the most efficient Kelly Oubre. So I would love to see microwave Kelly Oubre. I think you uh, alluded to it before. Good on tsunami father, your, your, uh, your moniker there, but yeah, tsunami poppy has got to come in waves from outside. And I think they need to be healthier for him to, to, and everybody to feel comfortable having him stand out there and do that. But I think, man, if it, when, when he gets going out there, uh, especially when he's doing it from off the bench, and that's another role shift there, it is a really hard team to put away in the second half.
0: Yeah, and the, the two ways that I think Kelly Oubre is – well, there's really three ways, I think, honestly, that he's changed the most from last season is – uh, a two point shooting. I mean, really he's he's made a concerted effort to drive the basketball, finishing through contact. It's been amazing to see he's been one of the few Hornets this season who has been able to get into the trees and finish. That's gonna be really key tonight against Minnesota that has yeah. you know obviously Rudy Gobert down. Many yeah, many trees. Um, so that that's going to be a challenge. But rebounding as well, he had 13 rebounds against Indiana. He had seven against Washington. He's made a, a much more concerted effort to get on the boards. That's been key when you're missing Lamelo, who was one of their better rebounders last season. And then finally on the defensive end, you know, he came into this season saying that Clifford challenged him to be more of a pest on defense to get back to uh, su- some of the stuff that he was doing early in his career. And I think he's lived up to that challenge. He almost he almost has an average of two steals a game. One point. Eight in the month of November, it's been incredible to see. But I agree with you. You know they, they've been missing a lot of. Uh, they've been missing Scary Terry. They've been missing Tsunami Poppy. If they can get a little bit of that back, and, and and I don't know. Maybe maybe it's not possible. Maybe it's not possible to get to to live with one of those and not the other. Um, but yeah, I mean hit. You know he did hit five three pointers against Cleveland in that double overtime loss, and and help them. You know get do that miraculous comeback with under a minute to play. But I agree. I mean, a missing the, the tsunami poppy last season had that ability, at least in the first half of the season, to, yeah. entire, to shift the entire dynamic of a game where all of a sudden the opposing team is changing the way they guard the Hornets and they're also changing the way they play offense. And I think that, you know, the, the Hornets have done a good job, I think, of shutting down particular players on the defensive end of the floor. They, they've taken away star players. They, they've schemed out certain things defensively. I think it's benefited them mightily. But they haven't been able to really change the way teams play offense. So if a team comes in and they're a good running team, they haven't really been able to shift that team into slowing things down or, or taking more pull-up jump shots. You know, they, they haven't been able to do that. And I think one of the ways, the sneak ways that you do that and the way that they did it last season, was to barrage you with three-point shots to make you feel desperate on the offensive end. I don't think teams come in feeling desperate to play the Charlotte Hornets offensively because they know that the Hornets are going to miss a lot of shots, and that means that they're going to get a lot of opportunities to play offense.
1: Yeah, it's almost like when, uh, when you're up a little bit in the NFL and you, and you have a quarterback that can rip it around the yard and the other team— goes away from what they want to do and, and has to kind of copy what you are doing. So I I, right. I love that point. And, yeah, I mean, when Kelly gets going from outside, this kind of changes, you know, everything about how the Hornets kind of feel about themselves. I mean, especially yeah. at home, honestly, uh, when he starts dropping shots in like that. But, man, it, it is just tough to ask him to do that right now because you need him to pick it up in so many other areas where you're deficient because of the absences.
0: Well, yeah, and I I think part of that has been, though, long-term team building, right? I mean, you wouldn't have to ask him to do so much rebounding, I think, if you had a little bit more size down low that didn't hurt you in other ways. If Nick Richards were a better defensive rebounder, I mean, I I think there are the decisions... Obviously, injuries have played a factor. But I think also longer term decisions about the way they've built this team. It's been it's been on a knife's edge, and so when you do lose one or two players, this is sort of the cascading effect that has to happen. I don't want to sit here and, and say like that, you know, Terry playing out of position and Kelly playing out of position. That like those are sort of decisions that have to be made in a vacuum. No, they're they're being made because of certain other decisions that were made to not do things in the offseason. But the guy that I'm going to focus on, the leftover that I think they need, I've already alluded to this, I think they need to put the scary Terry away at some point and bring back, get into the fridge, open it up, reach deep into the fridge, and find that scary Terry again because he's not the same scary Terry that he was last season. So here are a couple stats I'm going to throw in your face, Nick. Same usage rate for scary Terry. You ready? Okay. Yeah. Same usage rate his but last season his assist percentage was 19.6 that was above average for his position which is combo guard these stats courtesy of uh, cleaning the glass so it was above average 56 percentile This season, it's shot up to 22.3%. That's 76th percentile. So he's moving the basketball more because he's playing the point guard position more because of the injury to LaMelo Ball, but also injuries to Dennis Smith Jr. as well. He's seen his points per shot attempt go from 114.9 last season, which was a career high for him, 74th percentile, all the way down to 95.7 points per 100 possessions. That's 6th. Percentile. That's like near the bottom of the list. That's Patrick Beverly level. That's like Russell Westbrook level. It's it's been bad in terms of the points per shot attempt, but it's but it's not the whole story. As I said, he's playing more at point guard. 61% of his minutes this season at point guard compared to 39% at shoot at shooting guard. When Terry plays shooting guard, and he has done that some this season. We saw it in the fourth quarter against Philadelphia. He played alongside Teo Maladon when he plays shooting guard the hornets point differential is positive 3.7 when he's playing point guard it's negative 5.4 i mean that's a that's a wide gap that's a winning or losing type of gap when he plays one position or the other here's the thing DSJ not being healthy completely changes the calculation because now you kind of have to put Tao as the point guard for that second unit. But if they can get DSJ back in the next couple of games, I really think they have to start considering doing some kind of shift in the starting lineup to, to get Terry more minutes at the shooting guard position, to play him off ball, to allow him to get open and find shots because I think that's going to benefit the team. I said it a couple of shows ago, and I don't know if you agree with this, uh, Nick, but like Gordon Hayward, his arm doesn't look right. And, you know, if I think if there's a way to get Gordon to just ice that shoulder a little bit, to, 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 to take, you know, five, six games off and get that shoulder 100%, it actually would make the decisions for Steve Clifford a lot easier, right? Because then you can consider moving Maladon or DSJ up into the starting lineup.
1: Yeah, clearly Gordon needs rest. He's been gutting through this, um, you know, for a couple of weeks. He came back, and like LaMelo, I'm not sure he would have come back when he did if there if there wasn't such a, you know, they were just so devoid of healthy players. Um, yeah. It's But it's getting to the point, Doug, where, like, he can't take any contact without going down and coming out. He can't, right. you know, make a dunk in a game, was against Washington where it's like he yep. dunked with two hands. I don't think anybody bodied him. And, and he looked like he was ready to go, ready to, to leave the floor. Uh, so certainly they do. And it's kind of the same predicament they were in last year with Gordon when they started the year, like, yep, yeah, we're going to like carve out all this time for him to, to have his rest days and to, to stay off his feet. And then they're just not able to do it because of the health of everybody else. So, yeah, I, I think he's not giving you enough at this point with that shoulder being the way it is uh, to justify putting him out there uh, right now. And yeah, if, if like you're saying, I mean, I, I kind of like that dynamic. Like I said in my in my first answer uh, with what did we learn, Teo was a big part of that. And if you right. can start relying on him in certain situations um, in an important minutes, and maybe even to start the game rather than finish it, that could help a lot of other things too.
0: I sympathize with the difficulty of Clifford's decision here. You you, you have to start Terry Rozier. He's one. Of, he, yeah. You can't be successful with this current roster construction. You can't be successful unless Terry gets back to being scary Terry, and he's not going to do that if you bench him. So you can't bench. You can't bench Terry Rozier you you didn't have a difficult decision because you have Kelly Oubre who is one of the, is I think the most important player for the Charlotte Hornets this season I didn't see that coming but he is And then you've got Gordon Hayward who you have to fit in as well, and you've got P.J. Washington, and you've got to play a center, Mason Plumlee or Nick Richards. And so you're like, how do you make all of that work at the same time getting Terry off ball? I sympathize with the decision. It's a hard decision, but I think it's one they're going to have to make, especially if they anticipate LaMelo Ball being out long term. Okay. Uh, we've got a lot more to talk about with Nick Carboni. We're going to preview tonight's game, uh, really this evening's game, because of it's, it's a little bit of an early tip on Black Friday against the Minnesota Timberwolves. So that's coming up on the Locked on Hornets podcast. But first, I want to tell you about one of our newer uh, sponsors on the show. This episode is brought to you by Sweatblock. So here's the deal, and I know Nick can uh, relate with this as well. I'm under some bright lights every day to do this show. There's one here and one here, and they're like pointed right at my armpits. And so the bright lights are hot, and they make me sweat, especially when I'm laying down like a particularly spicy take or trying to get Walker fired from his professional radio job. That's when things start to really heat up. And, and that sweat eventually leaks into some of my favorite t-shirts that I wear on the show, So my favorite Hornet shirts. This one's holding strong, thankfully, uh, but some of them have ended up in the wash, and then my partner sees those shirts in the wash and thinks that I'm like some kind of wild animal. It's embarrassing. <laughs> It's a waste of a good t-shirt. I can't, I can't be losing that many t-shirts, not in this economy. Thankfully, a few weeks ago, I was able to fix my problem with sweatblock. The sweat block wipes have been a bestseller on Amazon for the past 10 years with over 10,000 five-star reviews. Don't miss the opportunity to try sweat block. These wipes are like, boom, boom, no more sweat dripping, ruining your t-shirts. If you are someone you love, is experiencing the embarrassing sweater odor to tr- have them try sweat block. save 20% with promo code locked on at sweatblock.com they're also available on Amazon uh, so check sweatblock out here on a black friday more on the charlotte hornets we're going to talk about this matchup tonight against the minnesota timberwolves stick with us Back here on Locked on Hornets. Thanks so much for making the Locked on Hornets podcast your first listen every day. Uh, tonight, really this evening, the Charlotte Hornets taking on the Minnesota Timberwolves. Early tip, 5 p.m. The Minnesota Timberwolves 10-8 and 8 on the year, but they have won five in a row. They're on a roll. Also, those five wins have all come versus East teams They are four out and four out of those five games have been on the road and they'll be in the spectrum center taking on the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, So what kind of matchups are you looking at here, Nick? What kind of things are you looking at from the Hornets side or from the Timberwolves side that you feel like will really make a difference in this game?
1: Yeah. Hornets should have caught this on the schedule like two weeks ago Uh, when everybody was (laughs) jumping on Minnesota, they weren't playing well, like, Oh, this isn't going to work. Like, it's working right now, and it's kind of the nightmare for the Hornets. Like a big, healthy team uh, coming in, and and you know, the Hornets caught a break, and, and they deserve to, to be quite honest. Last Friday, to to not have some of those guys for the Sixers in, and and to be able to to you know gut out a win. So yeah, it's it's gonna be tough. I mean, anytime you add Rudy Gobert to a team that already has Carl Anthony Towns on it. Uh, you know, he's provided some some nightmare fuel for the Hornets in recent years. Um, you know, Anthony Edwards to me it still looks like a really good player. I mean, you could probably look at that, You know, I think this would be a fascinating top five, top ten, maybe draft to to kind of recast at some point. Um, yeah. But you know, he still looks darn good to me, especially on the offensive end. Uh, maybe maybe not as explosive as as Minnesota fans would like at this point, but you know, and then they, they mix in Jaden McDaniels. I mean, he's been efficient too. So, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Jaden and Jalen, that, that's a good matchup. I, yeah. uh, that, that'll be interesting to watch.
0: Um, well, but well we finally that, get I, it. I feel like in some of these Minnesota matchups in the past, I think
1: we haven't for one, seen it for one yeah.
0: reason or another, yeah. we've avoided the, 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 the bro on bro. And I don't. I think Jaden. I think Jaden has been elevated into the starting lineup at least recently. He's playing
1: uh, those minutes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So we'll we'll see. But but at the same time, the Hornets, uh, re, I think, reacting to the injuries, but also reacting to the desperation for wins, it seems like yeah. Clifford has really shortened the rotation. It's like an eight and a half man rotation right now. So you're seeing a lot of starters mixed with bench units. You're not seeing really any, uh, hardly any four. Person yeah. bench units um so we could get some Jaden versus jalen should be an interesting match up there for sure
1: yeah absolutely and then you know nick richards has got to be able to grab you know offense or uh off was it was a defensive rebound defensive rebounds, defensive right? rebounds I always, like, i'm always like inverting it in my head yes defensive rebounds uh against this team i mean that's going to be a really tough task but uh they're going to need them to do it so yeah, that that's something else I'm watching. He had a good game the other night, 13 and 13, really carried the Hornets uh, in the first half when they had 72 paint points, a season high. But uh, as you know, it's going to be a much different challenge with all those tall Timberwolves tonight.
0: Yeah, and you can, and you really you you make a great point on the defensive rebounding issues because you can't give Minnesota easy points because that's what allows their offense to actually yep. be pretty good. They're sort of up and down offensively. They're not a great spot-up shooting team. Uh, this is a team that uh, has one of the most effective transition attacks. This should actually be a pretty interesting game. Obviously, Minnesota has the advantage in talent level. But you've got a team in Minnesota that loves to attack in transition. They love to steal the basketball versus a team in Charlotte that has really – done the thing that Clifford always wants his teams to do, which is get back into transition and slow another team down. They've been able to do that effectively this season, especially when they protect the basketball. Uh, They've been getting back into transition, so I think that battle may end up deciding the game. Uh, Turnover is going to be key, as it always is. You know The Hornets have been notorious through this period of making some really bad mistakes, especially late in games, to allow teams to come back and, again, when you're not shooting the three-point Shot Well, you know, those little marginal plays make a a, a huge difference. Uh, But Minnesota has given the ball up a lot this season. They're 23rd in the league and turnover percentage. The Hornets are ninth in generating turnovers. So I think that's going to be huge. Unfortunately, we don't get the Anthony Edwards versus LaMelo ball matchup that we would all be salivating about. But I think Depending on how they cross-match, you know, who they put Anthony Edwards on, that should be interesting. Uh, You know, can Terry Rozier and Kelly Oubre use their ability to cut to the basket to catch Anthony Edwards sleeping? Because defensively, he has not looked uh, really engaged at all at times. Um, So, you know, I think really if Terry, whoever he ends up being on, if it's Terry or Kelly – you know, if they want to get aggressive in this game, you have to look to attack that matchup, but you got to do it intelligently. You can't go right into good Rudy Gobert and give up like, you know, nine blocks to Gobert. They have to make really good paid decisions. Um, that's what this one's all about. The line right now that I saw, latest, four and a half in favor of the Wolves. So the Hornets not. Not huge dogs at home, yeah. but they are underdogs. What do you think? Prediction time, Nick. You, you got the Hornets here taking it? Oh, man.
1: I think they'll make a game of it. I think coming off of Friday night. Uh, yeah. I, well, what day was that? Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Today is Black Friday. It's been a little foggy. Um, but, uh, yeah, another day off. They've had some good rest periods in here. Um just thinks that that dennis smith jr can't play i think the hornets yeah. will keep it close uh they've they've fought hard in every game especially at home they they tend to keep things close um but i think in the end minnesota is just going to get too many of those second chance points and and even if it's not for lack of effort i mean they're that that's just what they're built to do and carl anthony towns is uh has been good against the hornets before so i'll take the timberwolves tonight um I do think the Hornets kind of found a little something, you know, Wednesday that they can build off of, especially when they get a little healthier. Um, but yeah, and and one other thing is like, you know, don't put Minnesota at the free throw line 35 times. I mean, they're not the greatest free throw shooting team, but that's what tends to happen with, with this iteration of the Hornets when you have all those big guys down low is there starts to get like you start to get into these stretches of guys just kind of like hacking and uh, mm-hmm. giving giving the Timberwolves easy points that way. So it's, it's easier said than done. I mean, I kind of feel for them sometimes when they're against some of these bigger guys uh, and, and they're trying to defend and they just get in these stretches where they just get a little pokey and, and the refs maybe help out too.
0: find, uh, find someone that loves you. Like Mason Plumley loves fouling someone under his own <laughs> basket, like before the half court line, like you got to cut those. I agree with you totally. Like it's, it's one thing, to foul someone, you know, as they're driving, you know, stop stop an aggressive drive. You want to get physical with a team like Minnesota. You got to, because, you know, if you don't, if you don't, they're, they're going to take advantage of that. This is a tough team. You just talk about toughness. This team's got a lot of toughness. I don't think the Hornets are built around toughness. You know, Clifford really has to find that in certain places and really inspire that. But there's a lot of tough guys to play on this Minnesota team. So, uh, you, you know, you want to be aggressive there, but it's those silly fouls that they have to eliminate so you don't put yourself in the So early in the quarter. Totally agree with that. Also, you mentioned the injuries there. Uh, DSJ has been declared out. Uh, uh, Gordon Hayward is questionable for the game. So we'll see what that means for his minutes total or if he plays at all. Um, and that could mean maybe possibly some more minutes for a couple of guys that have had DNPs over the last couple of games, (laughs) JT Thor or James Booknight. We'll see how it all shakes out, and we'll be back here on Monday uh, to uh, recap it all. Uh, Thanks so much to Nick Carboni from WCNC. Make sure you're checking him out uh, on WCNC. Thanks for making Locked On Hornets your first listen every day. For your second listen, check out Locked On Sports today from the games that matter the most, Two of the biggest stories in sports go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. For Walker Mail and Nick Arboni, I'm Doug Branson. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. (laughs)